Good evening, Lake Church family. Here in the house and online, we want to welcome all of you that are watching online. Uh, I just have a quick announcement that I want to let you guys know that we are fixing to have a come and go open house Sunday night to kick off our third year with Train Christian Academy. Hallelujah. And we are growing. I told you last time I was up here that we doubled uh, in enrollment this year. And so we're just counting on another double for next year. Already have uh, re-enrollments and pre-enrollments coming in. But we want to have this open house. So if you have thought about putting your children in school, please come. See the room set up, and we're going to have the junior high and high school room set up. So if you haven't ever been up there and seen that, come just for a tour. We need some traffic. We're going to have cookies, okay? So come. Anything I do, I have cookies. So come and get some cookies. Give us some practice talking to people about the school. And um, if you've got neighbors that maybe have kids and And in visiting with them, anytime you hear a parent say, I just am not feeling good about the school these days, that is your cue to tell them, I've got an answer for you, or at least an avenue that you can check out to see if it's a fit for your family. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. If you have a business and you can advertise for us, there are flyers out there that you can pick up on your way out the door. Put those flyers in your business, hand them out, stick them in sacks, whatever. So I spent the day running around town trying to get them posted everywhere that I can. So I just would like for you to help us with that. It's Sunday night, 6 o'clock, come and go. We'll be at both buildings, the Train Kids Building and Area 51. So I just encourage you to, if nothing else, pray. That's the best thing that you can do for us. Just pray those families in. Call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because we've got seats for them. We want to we love on them, and we want to teach them, and we want to train them in the ways of the Lord while they're young. Amen? Amen. Brother Harrison? Amen. God is good, right? And his mercy endures forever. So uh, we got some announcements to do. Welcome to... Uh, Wednesday night Bible study on Ephesians. I'm not really sure what verse we're in, but on, but it'll be good. Whatever it is, it's awesome. So, uh, uh, announcements. Uh, I think tomorrow night, um, have ladies greater, uh, here over at, uh, area 51 at 7 p.m. Uh, ain't ladies great? Awesome. I have a great lady. 49 years. Awesome. Woo! Awesome. So, ladies greater, also overcoming start overcomers starting uh, the twenty seventh to save uh, at seven p.m. at Area Fifty One. Uh, that's a faith based addiction thing, a support group. Uh, family cookout, tram, uh, train family cookout is April the twenty eighth at seven p.m. This is for the family, so it'll be awesome. Pastor will be on, you know, on the family and stuff. So, if you want to bring something, I think you can bring some chips if you want to, and cookies and. You know, lawn chairs and toys for your kids and so on and so forth. So uh, that will be great. If you want to, you know, RSVP, be sure to get with Pastor Caring. So offering, uh, ways to give, you have lakechurch.com. We also have the envelopes in the back of your seat there uh, that you can give. You know, you put text to give uh, up there, that number up there. You can use that. 
You can also put it back in the, in the bucket back there in the back. Always uh, several ways to give. And that's, uh, and that's, what, we, that's what you need to do. We need to give. Uh, so we're still taking up offering for the uh, missionary training school in Uganda, and we'll be taking up that offering, I think, till June. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's something good to give to. You know, it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. Uh, I want to read one scripture here, and then, uh, uh, then we're going to pray over the offering. And this is not a tithe, really a tithe scripture, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of hit me. As, I mean, I, still, I even have to study for, to give the offering <laughs> and stuff, so I have to read. So this, this is in Romans chapter 12, and it says this, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, which is your, the least that you can do. Being as how God has sent his son down here to die for you and to give you life eternal and all the blessings, don't you think it would be your reasonable service to give? I mean, to give. Awesome. That, that, that just, just God, I tell you what, there's a, probably a book full of things that I could, testimonies that I could give you over, over how the Lord has blessed men's Elm in the last uh, 49 years. It's been awesome. So uh, be sure to give. I think this is, I think the offerings, and I'm going to say it again, I believe the offerings this year is going to increase. I speak that in Jesus' name. More. Because we serve our God more than enough. So there's going to be more than enough and then some left over to give to other things. So uh, uh, let God use you on your giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for your mercy and grace. We thank you for this offering tonight. And we thank you for the offerings on Sunday mornings. And every time that every time there is an offering... Uh, that that we need to give to uh, a giving that it just increases, 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 and we thank you, Father. Uh, also, I, uh, I do believe that when we give, that's also a way to God to heal you, mm. too, for, for for to strengthen you and to bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We've been here we've been here for a little bit. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, one thing that we are learning as we're going through these scriptures at a snail's pace, but I believe the Lord is, is opening some things to us. But I was meditating today on uh, tonight and what the Lord would you know, have a share in concerning these scriptures. And, you know, I began to find myself walking in, in frustration. How many have ever been frustrated? And I began to think about that frustration. And one of my main frustrations that I wrestle with in my life <clears throat> is uh, satisfaction. Satisfaction. You know, uh, have you ever had a job in which there was really no way to measure whether you were doing 
a good job or not? Uh, have you been in a relationship that uh, where the spouse or where the person is never satisfied with anything that you do? Or maybe you were raised in a home in which satisfaction was never reached, no matter how much you did or accomplished. Um, you know, it seems to be a, a part and parcel of this fallen world that we operate in a level of dissatisfaction and that it's never really quite right, never really perfect. You know, it could have, everything could be in place and uh, you've ever planned anything and you're just thinking it's going to be this and it just falls short. Everything falls short. But what we're learning here, which leads us to the verse that we left off, which is verse number six, it says, to the praise of his glorious grace with which God has blessed us in the beloved. Amen. So when we start talking about satisfaction, many of us wrestle with being dissatisfied with ourselves, dissatisfied with our life, dissatisfied with you know, our relationships, dissatisfied in all areas. But this scripture tells us that God is satisfied with the beloved Jesus Christ and we are accepted in him. So therefore, God is satisfied with us. I don't think you got a hold of that. We live in a world where we're constantly wrestling with the fact that I don't know where the goalpost is. I don't know where the line is. You know, you, you, you do the dishes, you do the, uh, you mop the kitchen, and they're coming and they're looking at it and they're saying this is wrong and this is wrong. And Come on, how many know what I'm talking about here? You know, you try to do, put on your best your best foot forward and someone's got something to criticize about it, that's the fallen world that we live in. Amen? But, in the midst of a fallen world, I have satisfaction in my relationship with God because He is satisfied with me first. I love Because he first loved me. Praise God. I can receive satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. That means that I'm satisfied. Praise the Lord. He is satisfied. You know it really doesn't matter whether I'm satisfied or not. It matters whether he is. Because his satisfaction becomes my satisfaction. Jesus substituted for me. God said that he is the ultimate sacrifice without spot and blemish. Therefore, he is satisfied with me because I am in that sacrifice. I am in the beloved. Amen? Amen? And that makes me beloved. Because I'm in the beloved, I'm beloved by God. That's a position that can never be taken away from me. That's a position that the enemy cannot take away from me. He can convince me that's not true, but he can't take me out of it. Amen? 
we are accepted in the beloved. Notice that. And it says in him. And that's a major thing. We've seen that several times in these scriptures. Where it says he chose us in him. And he says that in him we have redemption through his blood. And that word redemption is a, to means to buy back. Amen. To buy back. And God bought us back off of the slave ship, off of the slave block. Come on now. He bought us back. He bought us back. We were in bondage. We were in chains. We didn't realize that we were slaves. But he came into the slave. Basically, uh, the word for redemption, one of the words for redemption, it's not this word. This is a pulse. Apostla, and the uh, other is agorizo, agorizo in the Greek. And the agora was the place that was right by the port of Ephesus where they would come off the ships from other countries and they would go into the agora, which was the slave trade area. And they would come off the ship in chains and they would lead them into the agora, And people from all over, because Ephesus was rich and affluent and and was growing, and so they would need slave labor. See, we talk about slavery in the United States of America, and it's absolutely wrong. But I'm telling you, slavery's been around since the fall of man, and it is absolutely of the devil. Amen? And it's only through Jesus Christ that both slave and free can be redeemed amen and uh, so they would go in and basically they would be in chains until someone bought them back bought them out and that's what jesus blood see we weren't redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold but with the precious blood of the lord jesus christ amen so that shows you your value Your value is the blood of God. Just meditate on that for a minute. Your value is the very blood of God. Because the blood comes from the male. Mary was a virgin that never knew a man. The Holy Spirit activated a word given to her. And she became impregnated with the Son of God. Therefore, the blood that was spilt on Calvary's cross was not human blood. It was the blood of God, the divine blood of God. The highest currency that the devil doesn't have any way to interact or to, or to deal with because he doesn't have that kind of currency. You have been redeemed and bought back out of slavery. You are no longer on the auction block. You're no longer subservient to the uh, prince of the power of the air. You're no longer enchained and enslaved to addiction, disease. Come on now. Amen. Because you've been redeemed by the blood. Praise God. You've got to learn to apply that blood. Amen. Notice it says, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Amen. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. He didn't just give us a little smidgen. 
He didn't give you a little dab that'll do you. He lavished. And this Greek word, we get the word philanthropist from it. We get the word for filthy, stinking rich. It's plutocrat. And it means that he just absolutely just poured it on us. See, we've got to understand that in Psalm 23, he says, he has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And then he goes on and he talks about, he says, my cup overflows. See, that's what what God does. He overflows his grace and mercy to us. And he doesn't just give us a little bit here. He's not stingy. He is filthy, stinking rich, and he is lavishing upon us all this grace and mercy. So we're not used to that in our culture. We live in a lack-based world that's want, you know, with, with the culture of want. And so when God begins to do what he does, it really makes us uncomfortable. Because how, how many of you would sit and, uh, and, and I say, Joel, I, I would like, you know, more in my cup. And Joel comes over here and takes a big old huge pitcher. And he begins to pour in this cup until it gets to the very top. And you're sitting there going, whoa, now. And he keeps pouring. And it begins to begin, get all over the floor. It begins, he keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. You're immediately, you're, you're just kind of like, man, this, we, this is something making me uncomfortable. We, you know, my goodness, I haven't, you know, but that's the way the Lord does things. He overflows our cup. He overflows our cup. He gives us lavish grace. Amen? Lavish. It's, you know, Jesus is the overpayment for our redemption. Amen? And it kind of makes us uncomfortable when we, when we see the lavishness in which God has <clears throat> bestowed upon us. Many of us have not translated that of the paradigm of, of the sin nature into the lavishness and the opulence of grace. We, we, we're still in the legalistic, you know, cabin that we're in. And we really haven't stepped over into what he has done. If we realized, you know, through the word of God, what he has done, we would talk different, walk different, act different. We would, you know, we would do different things. But most of us are not convinced of the lavish grace that has been bestowed upon us because we're still wrestling with the fact that we uh, missed it today. We're still, you know, and I'm not saying that you don't need to deal with, with sin and, and attitudes and things of that nature. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you need to understand that Jesus is the payment that is over and above to the, uh, to the extreme for all of your sins and transgressions, past, present, and future. And people have a problem with that. People say, well, how can it be, you know, pay for my sins, my future sins? Well, guess what? He paid for them two, over 2,000 years ago. So you better believe he paid for future sins. Because he died before you were even on the earth. Amen? Come on now. That's just stupidity to think that he can't take care of tomorrow. Amen? He's been taking care of them even before the foundation of the world. 
we're, we're forgiven and we're set free, even in the Old Testament, by looking forward to the cross. But praise God, we already look back to a finished work that has been lavishly bestowed upon us. Just think about that. You are sitting in the riches of Christ right now today. I don't care what you came from. I don't care what your bills look like. When you left here, when you got in the mailbox and you just cringed every time you opened that lid. I don't care what you're going through financially or going through physically or going through relationally. The riches of God. You are sitting in the riches of God. Amen. If you're sitting at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus, you are seated in the most powerful position and place that this whole universe has to offer other than God himself. Amen. And that should have a factor and a bearing. It shouldn't just be positional truth. We should learn to make it experiential truth by taking uh, by by uh, accessing our faith in regards to that and not allowing the circumstances of this world to dictate to us who we are. Yes. Amen? I see so many browbeaten, condemned believers under the trap of the enemy because they have ascribed to a form of legalism in their relationship to God and they do not realize that they're behaving like paupers when they are sons of God. And it's, it, it, this is exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about positional truth. You may be struggling with temptation even today, even, you know, struggling and getting a reprieve here at, ch- at church. And you know you're going to face the dragon once you get out of here. But I'm here to tell you, when you understand your positional uh, authority that you've been given in Christ, you're going to be able to face that thing in the power of the Spirit of God. You're going to be able to speak to the mountain and it will be removed. Amen? And it's important that we understand how lavish and how richly the Lord has brought His grace upon us. Notice that, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now notice, that lavishness, that riches comes through wisdom, and it comes through insight. What's he talking about? He's talking about revelation knowledge. Let's look over at, uh, I believe it's First Peter, or Second Peter. Let me see here. I believe it's Second Peter, yes. Second Peter, in verse number 3 of chapter 1, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things. How many things? All things that pertain unto life and to godliness, notice this, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, okay? So it's through knowledge. How am I going to access all these things that I have been granted that pertain to life? Does your health pertain to your life? Does provision pertain to your life? Amen? God cares and has provided for everything that you would possibly need. When he gave you the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need. You are not lacking in any way whatsoever. Amen? 
you have the pleroma of God, the full sum and substance and total of God living on the inside of Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, and if you eat of this bread, you will never go hungry. You will never be hungry again. I'm here to tell you what he is preaching here and what he's telling us here is that the sufficiency of Christ is within the believer. All of his power, all of his glory, all of his provision, all of his ability is on the inside of you. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are his fullness on the earth. Amen. Well, I feel so deficient. You feel deficient because you've allowed the devil to tell you that you are deficient. You're not seeing yourself through the right mirror. You're not seeing yourself through the mirror of the Word of God. You're seeing yourself through the physical mirror or the social mirror. And those mirrors will lie to you. They will deceive you and keep you bound. But I'm here to tell you, when you look in the perfect law of liberty, when you look into this mirror, you begin to see who you really are on the inside. Amen? And it's through knowledge, it's through wisdom and insight that we begin to understand the lavishness that God has bestowed upon each and every one of us. And if we don't get into the Word, if we don't pursue Him through the you know, prayer and the Word of God, then we're never going to get an awareness of what we have. There are people that never have read the last will and testament of the most important man that ever walked planet earth. He's such an important man and such a powerful figure that after he died, it enacted the will and he rose from the dead to be able to make sure that it comes to pass in your life. I'm here to tell you he is actively pursuing you right now to get you to understand what he's done for you. We need to stop begging him to do what he's already done. We need to stop bearing what he already bore. Come on now. And just accept what he has already done. And we have to accept it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on now. All right. Now notice it says, The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us. See, very important. See, he would, you know, that's the reason why you got to come to church. That's the reason why you got to listen to good teaching. It's because it's making known to you what you've been given. Amen? You're coming in. Basically, when we come together, I remember a story about uh, in China they have the underground church. And uh, this young lady and a group of people were uh, were going to the underground church, and they got stopped by the police. And the police were very suspicious of them, you know, because they'd been cracking down on the church and Christians. And they said, "Where are you going?" And she didn't know what she was going to do. She didn't have any clue as to what she was going to say. But the Holy Spirit gave her the words to say, and she says. My brother has died, and we're going to the reading of the will. Amen? And that's exactly what we're doing right here. Every time 
we open the Word of God. We're reading the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a legal document. Remember, we talked about this. Uh, pop back up here to verse 5. It says, He predestined. We told you that it's predetermined. It's pre-designed. It's not that God desires some to be saved and some not to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. But it says, for adoption as sons. And, and people will say, well, you know, adoption isn't really a true son. But not in this sense. Not in this sense at all. Not, not in the way that this is used. The reason why he uses the word adoption is to make sure that you understand that this is legally binding. That this is absolutely a legal transaction. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is a legal transaction that took and rendered the authority that Adam lost and brought it back into Christ. And then Christ delegates it to us again. Amen? See, Adam had authority under God. We have authority in Christ. See, Jesus had to become a man and walk as a man and be sinless and spotless to take our sin, our iniquity, our sickness, our curse. And then when he was buried and deposited in hell, he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he was raised without those things to newness of life. And he became the firstborn of a new creation of people. We are a new creation. We're a hybrid being in which we have fallen flesh, but we have a divine spirit on the inside of us. Amen? We have the life and nature of God on the inside. We're not, may not be much to look at on the outside, but on the inside, we have everything that we could possibly ever need. We are adopted. Legal sons, because in the Roman culture, that's how a son, even though a son was physically born in the house, it wasn't until he was adopted as heir of that house. And that's exactly the transaction that happened. We are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen? We don't share inheritance. We have the same inheritance. We don't get half We get whole because it's all in him. Amen? And legal, it's it's big deal because the devil is a legalist. Did you know that? The devil is a legalist. And in fact, for him to operate as the accuser, he has to use the law. And he uses the law over and over and over again. You know it because he's been the court in your head all of your life. Telling you you don't deserve this and you don't need this and you're never going to get this because you did this and you did that and you're doing this and I know you're going to mess up tomorrow. But when we realize that we have the position of sons, come on now, praise God. We're not servants like Israel was. We're sons of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Making known to us the mystery of his will, praise God. No, making known unto us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. See, notice how the Apostle Paul is using, uh, he's saying that the initiator in this transaction is God himself. Now that should take all the pressure off you. Amen? Because when God initiated this, 
There's nothing you need to do about it. Amen? You don't have to dress up. You don't have to make up. You don't have to jump through hoops. It's by His will and by His divine purpose that you're where you're at right now. He made the decision before the foundation of the world. Oh, just let that sink in. He made the decision before the foundation of the world. As far as God is concerned, you've already made it. He already sees you complete. He already sees you in his presence in heaven. You've already made it. You've already made it because he's given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. So that means that anything you face up against, you've got everything you need. He's given it to you. See, a believer should never pray for power. Did you know that? Because you've been given the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, praise God, you receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we don't pray for power. We've got all power. Amen. Hallelujah. We are not thirsty. I'm not hungry. And I don't need power. I've got it all. And it doesn't matter what I'm facing in my body. I've got the power on the inside of me to drive it out. It doesn't matter what financial burden I need or what kind of uh, commitments I've made. God said, I'll supply all your need according to my my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. We've got to believe this stuff and stir ourselves up about this stuff. This is what he's talking about. He's, he's basically preaching you the Pauline revelation about who God is and what he's done for you. That's the whole, this is one of the densest portions of scripture that's ever been written. And it is the full sum and summation of what Christ did for you. And the apostle Paul knows that you're not going to get it. That's why he tells you later on, I'm going to give you a prayer that you need to pray so that you can get the idea of what God's done for you. Because I know you're not getting this. This is one big long sentence. Amen. Showing you that this is a, this is a one continuous thought from God's mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever been so excited about something that you just couldn't put any pause in what you were saying? You just This is God right here. He's saying, "Man, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." Starts talking, and I mean, he's so excited to tell us what he's done in Christ Jesus. He's excited. God is excited about this. And we've got to be excited as well. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I kind of like this without putting them scriptures up there. I, 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 like, I like us looking at our Bibles. Amen? Okay. All right. So it says, according to his purpose, which he set forth. Here's this word again, in Christ. He set it forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Okay? Notice that the work of Christ isn't just about us. It's to unite all things in him. All things in him. 
through uh, things in heaven and things on earth. So it's not just about the reconciliation of our situation, but it's the reconciliation of both heaven and earth. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, did he not? He said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. So we have uh, surpassing authority than even that of Adam. You didn't get that. We have a more surpassing authority of even that of Adam. Adam was given the ability to bind on earth. We've been given the ability to bind on heaven and earth. Amen? Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth. Why? Because Jesus not just, not just uh, became the last Adam and got exactly back what Adam lost. He superseded what Adam lost. He superseded what Adam lost. Amen? And so we have a, a higher authority because of the work of Christ. Amen? Praise God. Humanity was down on the creation ladder. We were not in the superior. But when Christ came and was raised from the dead, he was seated at the very highest place as a man. Oh, I, as a man. That's the reason why the devil's so mad at you. Because you took his place. Angels. Praise God. We were made a little lower than the angels. But in the authority structure, we're higher than angels. The Bible says we'll judge angels. Why? Because all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and earth. And he transfers it to us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Amen? Hallelujah. This is good stuff. Amen? So his, his work is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. Now, notice, let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And let's look at, uh, let's start with verse number one. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition, conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have, a, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count, count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself <coughs> by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, notice that, the name. Yeah. 
Not a, a name. The name. The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee. We need to remind ourselves of this. Amen. Every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's the authority that stems. The the authority of the name. The name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at Colossians. Colossians is a companion book to the book of Ephesians. It's kind of like a uh, Reader's Digest version of the book of Ephesians. It, it covers some of the same themes. Looking at verse number 15, speaking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God looks like? You look at Jesus. Amen? The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So his blood not only made peace for us, but it made peace for the whole economy of God. Amen? He is the overpayment for our redemption. And he is, let's, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Guess what? You have a family in heaven. Now I'm not talking about Papa and I'm not talking about Uncle Joe, and I'm not talking about your relatives that have passed. You have a family in heaven of created beings. I tell you what, I'm looking, I'm looking forward. See, we shouldn't fear death. Because we're becoming, we're, we're a part of a greater family than you could ever imagine. Some of you feel alone. Some of you have an orphan heart. But you're a part of the biggest family that there possibly could be. And it, it is, notice he's the creator of the visible and the invisible. And we have a visible family that we can see and touch and taste. But did you know that you have an invisible family? And it's not just people that went on before us. It is the angelic host. It is the creation of God. Amen? Which is far Bigger and better and larger than anything we could ever imagine. His reconciliation not only brought humanity back to the proper place that God desired for us to be in. But it is reconciling the heavens as well. It's reconciling the work of the watchers in Genesis 6. It's reconciling all of the various rebellions 
that happened from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6 to Genesis 11. He is reconciling all of it and bringing it all back to right functioning. Amen? And his sacrifice, praise God, you know, Ephesians chapter 4 says that he went into the lowest parts of the earth, which is Tartarus, which is Tartarus, if you study out the scriptures, um, the uh, apostle Peter calls it Tartarus, and that's where the Greeks believed the Titans were chained down by Zeus, okay? So he's saying that those fallen angels in Genesis 6 that have been chained in Tartarus, he went down there and he preached the gospel to them and showed them that God is God and he will get the final say, amen? And he raised up and as he raised up, he came up through there, he preached in hell and he went to Abraham's bosom which was located in the belly of the earth and all of the Old Testament saints that were before Christ, they were in that that bosom and praise God they were raised with him when he was raised from the dead and they found themselves in a new place, in a new glory, amen. Now with God in the heavenly plane, because apart from the blood of Jesus, they could not be in heaven. But praise God, it's a finished work in all of them. Oh, hallelujah. It says when he was raised from the dead, there were people that um, uh, were raised with him and went and visited their family members. It is documented. That's not just documented in the Bible. There are Roman records. That talk about these disturbances. Hello. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine. What that looked like. When Jesus came into Abraham's bosom. Abraham is there. Isaiah's there. David's there. They're all there. And they're waiting. They prophesied. Because it was their prophecies. That built the Messiah. He is the Word made flesh. So every psalm that David uttered out of his mouth, every prophetic utterance that came out of Isaiah's mouth, every prophetic utterance began to build the Christ to pave the way for Him to come into the earth because God's Word had to be released in the earth. He sent His Word and He healed us. You see him walking in there, walking into that Abraham's bosom, and they're looking for him. And he says, you know what? I'm the one that you prophesied about. I am here to set you free. I'm here to liberate you and bring you to heaven to be with your God. And Isaiah pipes up and he says, yes, that's him. I prophesied in Isaiah 53. Surely he hath borne my sickness and carried my pains. I esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his wound I am healed. Hallelujah. And David said, yes, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pat. Come on now. They begin to prophesy. They begin to talk about what God had done, what he was through their words. And every one of them had a story. Every one of them had a prophecy. Every one of them talked about 
the Messiah. And here he is standing. Now see, that's a picture of Christ inhabiting the heart or the bosom of the believer. Amen? One of these days, what you see by faith, you're going to see by sight. And those words are going to come back. Those words he gave you when you were smitten with cancer and you held on to the word and you said, I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. You're going to see that word right in front of you. You're going to see that word right in front of you. You held on to the scripture in regards to your family. That me and my whole household shall be saved. One of these days you're going to stand before the very word. You're going to stand before that word. And I'm telling you that word is faithful and that word is true. And that word is steadfast. And that word will never change. One of these days he's going to walk in. You're going to walk into the bosom of the Lord Physically, you're going to see him face to face and you're going to see that he is faithful. And that every doubt and every fit of unbelief that you had was unwarranted. Because I'm telling you, once you exit this body, you're going to say, please forgive me, all right? You're going to say, crap. I could have done that. I was that close. I was almost to the point. I was almost to the breakthrough. I was almost to the breakout. You mean I had that authority? You mean I could have done that? You mean I could have... I was afraid of that. The thing about it is, is we got to get that vision now while we're on the earth. we got to get that vision right now while we're on the earth. How do we get that vision? Through these supernatural goggles that we've got here, man. We get these goggles on. We see life as it's truly meant to be seen. Put on your, you know, your, your special goggles, you know. And this didn't come out of no cereal box either. This is some good stuff. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at it. Amen. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth in him. Boy, you should underline every time you see that phrase in him or in Christ, because guess what? That's where you're at. Amen. You are in union with him. You are united in in him. Amen? And notice it says, in him we have. Notice that. I love the past tense of God's word. Every time it says, he who has blessed us, we have been redeemed. These are all past tense words. They're done. When Jesus said it's finished, he truly meant it. It's finished. You don't have to plead for it, beg for it. Hello. 
Oh, my goodness. See, people have a hard time with this. They get religious. And, um, you know, when Jesus talks in the 16th chapter, um, well, in in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, he says, uh, and whatsoever you ask in my name, you know, my Father will do it. The actual Greek says, whatever you demand. We don't like that. We, I mean, that kind of, how can I? You're not demanding of God. You're not demanding of God at all. God's already given it to you. If it's already been released, you can demand it. If I sit out there and say, Joel, I want to give you this Bible, you don't have to say, well, would you give me that Bible? Would you please, please, could I have that Bible? No, you reach out and, and demand. It's already right. taken. You just take right. it. It's already yours. It's because it's already done. And here we are, you know, messing around with the devil in our house and letting him have more power. You know, I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV a lot. You know, I watch YouTube and things like that and stuff. But I've been watching the NBA playoffs for some reason. I don't know why in the world. I think some. I think I want to see the Lakers win. You know, but uh, but so I've been watching the NBA playoffs because uh, I don't have regular TV, so I have to get that uh, uh, sling or whatever and watch stuff. You know, and so but they they in sling because it's streaming. You get the same commercial almost every time they go to commercial break, and they've had they have this movie coming out, you know, called uh, that's basically uh, um, the Living Dead or something like that. You know, I'm 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 old. I'm old. Okay, all right, but but it just showed these horrific pictures. I mean, their their trailer is I've seen the movie with the trailer. Because they show so much of what's there. They're not just telling you about it. They're showing you actual scenes of horror in this trailer. And I'm sitting there and thinking about that. And I'm just thinking, man, the devil is trying to make himself look so big and look so bad. And get us all scared and get us all frightened and stuff. I don't think you should be watching horror movies. Because it basically increases your capacity for fear. Amen? Well, I like to be scared. I don't. Hello. I like to be full of faith, not fear. Come on now. Amen. Because fear fear's going to keep you on that deathbed. But faith will get you out. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We have, past tense, obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined or predesigned or predetermined by, the, by God according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. See, he gets glory when we access the inheritance. He does not get glory when we do not. Now, his inheritance is a glorious transaction. But he gets glory when we actually step in and begin 
to partake of it. God gets glory when we speak to our cancer. God, or, or to cancer. God gets glory when we speak to our mountain and we see it removed. God gets glory when we pray and we ask him for provision and he comes through. God gets glory when victory happens in your life. Amen? But you've got to be persuaded that God is satisfied not only with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but with you being identified in that as well. Otherwise, the devil is going to disqualify you from the inheritance. Now, you're not disqualified from a legal sense, ever, because it's something that the devil can't take away from you. God won't even take his inheritance away from you, because he has already laid it out. He's got an open hand towards you right now. His face is towards you. His hand is open toward Come on now. All right. His disposition is one of blessing. In fact, he told through the prophet Isaiah in the 43rd chapter, or the 53rd chapter, um, I believe it's the 54th chapter of Isaiah. He said, this is like the days of Noah. He says, I will no longer, just as I said, I would no longer uh, flood the earth again. I will not be angry with you. Oh, come on now. Amen. Some of you aren't convinced that he even said that. Some of you are going to think, what? Because you think you've been fighting with God today. But you're not fighting with him. You're fighting with the devil. Amen. I tell you, I'm just going to read it to you. We've got to close here in about three minutes, but uh, this is good stuff. Isaiah. 54, and verse number 9, that's right, Jerry. He says, this is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn. Do you think, you think he's honest and truthful? Amen. I will not be angry with you. That's good news, John, isn't it? Amen. You know, we, we people have faced a lot of anger in their life. They've had angry parents, angry bosses, angry spouses, <laughs> angry children. But I'm here to tell you, as far as you and God are concerned, he's not angry with you. Oh, I don't think you got a hold of that. Am I going to have to step on these chairs? and and Notice, I will not be angry with you, and I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. And that's what he said. He said we have received an inheritance. That's what that is right there. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're going through right now or what you even did before you even got here. The angels came at Christ's birth 
And they declared that God's will towards man was good. Amen. Amen. Oh, I got to go that. I got to go one better. All right. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter five. Hallelujah. You got one more minute. Hallelujah. I bet we've been doing uh, presentations in our third year um, Bible school and they've been doing their messages and and they said, can we ask for five more minutes? And I said, no, that's mine. <laughs> that's my prerogative, <laughs> not yours. You get an F if you ask for it. Okay. All right. Now notice this. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, what we saw in Colossians, he is the beginning. What's he the beginning of? He was the creator of creation, but he became creation to create a new creation. Amen? So he is the beginning of a new species of being. Notice what it says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. That means all your old stuff's gone. Just think about that right now. Everything, everything that you ever did, it's gone. It's wiped away. That man and woman is dead. Hello. You are not going to get attacked in a graveyard. You walk around a graveyard, it's the quietest, most serene place. Ain't nobody going to come out of there and attack you. Dead people don't. But yet people are being attacked by their past, being attacked by their sin, because they don't understand their new creation, that the old person is absolutely dead and gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now notice what this ministry is. Notice this. <clears throat> that in, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Notice this next phrase. Not counting their trespasses against them. That's, that's two witnesses right there. God's not up there keeping account. We go back to what we talked about in the first of the session tonight. Satisfaction. Jesus satisfied my sin debt. Jesus satisfied... God, in every respect, Harrison read from Romans 12, it says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. If we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, that means that our bodies in the sight of God are perfect. Because you can't sacrifice anything to God unless it is absolutely 
perfect. If we're going to be the sacrifice, that means that Jesus' work not only came into our spirit, and not only is renewing our soul, but even though we may have ailments in our bodies today, if we'll believe God and know that He has made us perfect in body by the power of His resurrection... Amen. We've got to you got to lay that thing up there every day and present it a living sacrifice. But guess what? It doesn't matter whether you think it's perfect or not. It matters what he thinks is perfect or not. And when I lay myself up upon the altar, it's as if Jesus is there. I am perfected in him. Amen. He's not laying up my trespasses anymore. I'm clean and washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm cleansed from all sin. I don't have blemishes. I know you might look at my life and you might say, Hey, you're missing it here and you're missing it there. And you'd be right. You'd be absolutely right because my life in the flesh is not perfect in function. But my life in the flesh is cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus. And I can lay myself out as a perfect sacrifice, living in the life of God. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Oh, I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying this. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It matters what he thinks about you. And he sees you. Oh, goodness. Let let me me finish this scripture. I sense the power of the Lord here. Amen. He says, not imputing men's trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I want us to go to Jude. Jude, the little book before Revelation. In verse number 24, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Jesus' blood presents you blameless. The work of the cross presents you blameless, blameless, praise God, before the presence of the glory, of the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever, amen, amen. So he has presented us totally flawless. Oh, do a little exercise in the morning and look at yourself. I'm flawless. I'm blameless. I'm free of shame. I'm free of guilt. I'm free. Not because of me, not because of my works, not because of what I could ever do or ever have done, but because of what he's... He's positionally put me in a place in which I can stand before God free of condemnation. Amen. 
I know that I won't look Jesus in the eye when I see him. I know that I will fall to my knees when I see him. But I remember one time Brother Hagin was teaching us in school and he was talking about the rock wall vision that he had. And it was the first time that he had Jesus appear to him and instruct him about his ministry. And he fell at Jesus' feet and he began to say, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And that's very religious talk and that's probably what all of us would do if we saw the Lord, if he walked in there. But he said the Lord took his hand and lifted him up and he said, I have made you worthy. Oh, see, that's a, that's a total paradigm shift. He says, I made you worthy through my blood. I've made you worthy. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to, you know, bow down and, and worship the Lord. That doesn't mean that. But here is the secret to the fulfilling work of Jesus is that you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can get right up in God's lap. Amen? You have access. That's your inheritance. Access to God. If you have access to God, you've got everything you need. You've got everything you need. There's no price tag you can put on access. There's no price tag at all. And what has happened through the cross is you've got access to God. You are in right standing with God right now. You might feel like you, you might have done something before you even got here. that You just feel doggedy down and stuff. Listen, the Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The same blood that brought you in is the same blood that's going to keep you in. It's ever fresh. In fact... It says that in the book of Hebrews. It says that his blood is still fresh. Why? Because it's not in time. And it's not subject to the corruption of this world. So it's standing before God in its freshness, speaking about your life and where you're at, and it still cleanses you and washes you. And it's the basis of your relationship with God. Amen? We have an inheritance. Praise God. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next week. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, you need to know the Lord. If you're here and you need to rededicate your life, you need to rededicate your life. If you're here and you don't have the power of the Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to get it. You don't need to walk out powerless in this life you need to receive if you need healing in your body these ministers that will be up here at the end of this service will be able to help and assist you if you need deliverance in your life praise god they'll be able to assist you as well amen looking forward to continuing our series master class and uh, we're going to be talking about the arm of the lord or the right hand of the lord And we're going to be talking about the power of God through Jesus Christ that's been bestowed to us and how he is seen through the Old Testament. Amen. So it's going to be a good time. And uh, be sure and invite friends and family and uh, people that you know to church. They'll be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.